people are unaware, uninformed, disengaged, but also very upset with the way our country is, is headed. The way to change that is to become engaged, informed, and involved. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, January 13th. I'm Rob Bluey. And that was Stacy Washington, host of the popular show Stacy on the Right on Sirius XM's Patriot Channel 125. It airs weeknights from 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. Her book, Eternally Cancel Proof, A Guide for Courageous Christians Navigating the Political Battlefront, chronicles her journey as a Christian and her own conversion from the political left to conservatism. Washington uses her radio show and other media platforms to put the focus on what's important in life, using a biblical worldview to help us understand how to navigate today's challenges. Stay tuned for our interview after this. I'm Zach Smith. And I'm Giancarlo Canaparo. And if you want to understand what's happening at the Supreme Court, be sure to check out SCOTUS 101, a Heritage Foundation podcast. We take a look at the cases, the personalities, and the gossip at the highest court in the land. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you find your podcasts. It's SCOTUS 101. Stacey Washington is a wife, mother, author, radio host, and political commentator. She's also a good friend of the Heritage Foundation. Stacey, welcome to the Daily Signal podcast. Rob, thank you so much for having me on. What an intro. I hope I can stand up to that. You bet. Well, before we talk about the book and current events, could you tell us about your own life's journey? It's obviously not every day that we get to talk to somebody who started as a liberal Democrat and is now a conservative Republican. Well, I literally, I I grew up in a household that was very conservative. And you know, Rob, it's kind of typical. I'm I'm Gen X. So we had these, uh, you know, military connected experiences where I was a military brat. My parents were very conservative, but they were Democrats. Now, one time, I remember my childhood very distinctly, my dad voted for Reagan. And it was like such an uproar at our house because he voted for a Republican, but he really liked Reagan and, and his platform and he loved his ideas. But after that, of course, nothing but Democrats. I was raised as a Democrat. It wasn't something that we discussed, like here's Republicans, here's Democrats. It was we're Democrats and that's it. But my parents believe in hard work. They don't believe in taking money from the government. And they certainly taught me that um, my my destiny, things that I have going on in my life it would be the result of my actions. The majority of my results would come from my actions and, of course, my walk with God. So um, as a young adult, I, I went to college for a couple years, dropped out for a year, and then joined the military. And I was in the Air Force. And I the, the main experience I remember being kind of a – it was a little bit of a turning point or maybe an eye-opener was just arguing with a coworker about abortion and not being able to answer her claims because she was coming at it as a Christian – And I really didn't agree with abortion, but I knew that as a Democrat, you know, we were safe, legal and rare back then. So I just kind of, you know, said, well, it just sounds kind of racist to have it only be, you know, this kind of black and white. You don't take into consideration all the reasons why someone might need to have an abortion. And she was so insulted by that because obviously she wasn't a racist. But I was using that as a fallback because there really is no justification for abortion. And quite frankly, most of the Democrat Party platform. So um, it was a few years after that that my husband and I moved from Florida. We were on Eglin Air Force Base and came to the Midwest. And he took a job in financial services. We we separated from the military. And then we're 
kind of walking this journey out to conservatism, but separately, because I wasn't talking to him about listening to Bot Radio Network um, when I'd be out with our newborn baby, you know, walking or in the car driving around. And he would be at his work talking to his coworkers at this financial services company, and he'd be kind of agreeing with their comments, but thinking, you know, these guys sound like Republicans. <laughs> so by the time we realized it, we'd both kind of made the jump, but it was for different reasons. Obviously, you know, leaving the military and not having our income shielded the way it was from taxation, um, we were paying a lot more in taxes. My husband was actually, you know, working in a professional capacity and earning a nice living. And the taxes were just, it, they were shocking because we hadn't had to pay that much before. And it started to become real to us that the more successful we became, the more taxes we would owe. And that seemed really antithetical. Like, it seems like it's a it makes you not want to be successful. You don't want to pay so much more of your money in tax the more successful you become, but that is the system that we have, progressive taxes. So it was a number of things, but mainly I just started to view the world differently when we had our our first baby. And I, God used that to bring it all together in a neat little package of me flipping and things have never been the same. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I want to ask you about the radio show because, I mean, you're a big proponent of of conservatives and Christians using their voice, speaking up, uh, getting the truth out there. What was it that inspired you to start a radio show? I was volunteering in our kids' school district and doing a lot of work there, just, you know, copy mom, kindergarten social mom, you know, you name it. If it needed to be done, I was there doing it. And I ended up kind of serving on the strategic planning committee where they set up the five-year strategic plan. And from there, it just, it seemed like I was moving away from helping in the classroom and kind of moving into a little bit stronger of a thing. So I, I, I ran for school board after I was appointed to a position on the board because I served on the strategic planning committee and work with board members there. So they had this vacancy, I get appointed and then all of a sudden I'm running and I lose by 435 votes. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've lost. What am I going to do with myself? And a friend of mine was like, well, you should come hang out with us. At, you know, we we sit around and we talk politics. I'm thinking, oh, that sounds terrible. So I go and I met another friend who invited me to speak at this, you know, what they call tea party under the arch. And at the time, I didn't know Dana Lash or Gina Loudon. These are people who lived in St. Louis at the time. And they were on radio and they were activists. And so I kind of just, I'm rubbing elbows with them at this speaking engagement. And I chose to talk about the genocide of abortion. And um, I had like seven minutes to speak. I spoke there to, you know, 4,800 people, but it was broadcast on the radio. And then I ran for school board unopposed and won my seat. And so I was kind of thinking, well, you know, I'm not going to do this politics thing anymore. Well, after speaking about that, I got invited to go on to Almond in the Morning and talk about this huge event that I was kind of volunteering and putting on this event to show MAFA 21, the documentary about abortion in America, at a bunch of locations across the country simultaneously to draw attention to its impact on the Black community. Almost 16% fewer Black Americans due to abortion. And so I go on the radio to promote this event, and Jamie thought we had such good rapport, he invited me to come on a weekly basis just to do one seven to nine minute radio hit to talk about political issues of the day. So I go back onto the school board, I start doing this weekly hit, 
And then I started filling in. And then before you know it, I had Stacy on the right on Saturdays. And then that show moved to Sundays. And then I went to Christian radio and did that for a while. And then I eventually became a guest host on Sirius XM, always the same show, Stacy on the right. Um, and now I'm on Monday through Friday, nine to midnight Eastern. And so it kind of grew out of nothing. Like you, you would never have convinced me, Rob, that I would be a radio host or any kind of public speaker at all, because I was, I've never been shy, but I've never been one to kind of like jump up and speak in front of people and especially large groups. But that, that's what I do for a living now. So I feel like it was something that God had in store for me to do. And I am a natural talker. I do get every bit of my 50,000 words a day that women supposedly talk 50,000 words a day. I know I do. Um, and I always have. And I've always had on my report cards, even back to kindergarten, Stacy either talks too much or spends too much time talking, some variation of that on every report card, K through 12. So, you know. Well, that, that's a, that's great. Thank you for for that. And and you know, the thing that's wonderful is you know your episodes are all available on on numerous different platforms, including your own website, which we'll be sure to link to for for our listeners who would uh, like to follow you and uh, and tune in on a regular basis. So it's uh, it's it's truly fantastic. We appreciate the guests you have, the issues that you tackle, and and as for my next question, I I, I really am am curious as to. You know, you, you've built an audience now. What is it that you want to leave them with when you are talking to them on a regular basis? And, and, and how do you go about crafting a show and making sure that they're inspired to take action? Well, the show is really, there's, you know, as you know, because you host this and you also run The Daily Signal, it's a lot of me reading sites like The Daily Signal and getting great information and then kind of saying, what are people talking about? And then what is the point? Um, or... A lot of what we do on the show is we highlight narrative shifts that Democrats are enacting to change the way we think, talk, and feel about issues that are facing Americans on a daily basis. And through the use of language, Democrats have moved this country lurching to the left because we all adopt their way of speaking because they control the media. And so those three hours on radio Monday through Friday are an opportunity for me to speak into that narrative and shift it back. And to cause people to, when you're listening to the news, if you're trapped in the airport and CNN is on and you hear them saying something, to give people the tools to be able to say, wait a minute, they're characterizing someone's opinion as an insurrection or they're characterizing lawful activity that's guaranteed liberty given to us by God, but guaranteed in the Constitution, the right to freely assemble, the right to address our elected officials. They're characterizing that as an insurrection or as unlawful activity, or they're using thoughts and feelings language to make it seem as if people don't care when really it's the ultimate act of caring to shed your anonymity and to go out publicly and speak at a school board meeting about these pornographic books or to face down your mayor or someone over a tax issue. These are the ultimate acts of caring and they're our duty as citizens of this country. The citizen is the highest office of the land. So what I want people to leave with when they listen to my program is, first of all, we are all created beings. We're called forward for a purpose. God put us in this time-space continuum, you can tell I watch a lot of sci-fi, to actually have an impact, every single one of us. So it, you're, you're maybe having an impact at home, keeping your house clean, taking care of babies, having a hot meal on the table when your husband gets there, or maybe you're running a huge website and working for one of the most important think tanks in the entire world and crafting white papers that people like me, I'm con continuously devouring them for information to share with my listeners. Whether you're, you know, running an organization or just, you know, kind of working at Costco or Sam's Club, 
there are people in your life who are watching you and they understand your worldview, whether you share it with them or not. And so I want to make every person feel the importance of their existence and that they have a role to play in running this fantastic country. And that also life has meaning. We're actually meant to enjoy it. And so um, Dennis Prager wrote a book called Happiness is a Serious Thing. I think I think I got the title right. It's one of my favorite books ever that I've read where he says we have a responsibility to be happy because everyone around us is impacted by our happiness or lack thereof. And so I infuse that same concept into the show. I'm perpetually optimistic. I'm upbeat. I've read the end of the Bible all the way through to Revelation. I know how this story ends. And so therefore, I am to continually uplift other people and inform them and empower them and also have fun while doing it. Lots of laughing, great bumper music, and an opportunity to call in and share. And, you know, even the, the disagreement, I think that's enjoyable as well. And doing that, basically, I'm doing it for the glory of God because there's no way otherwise, Rob, I would ever get to do what I do or to talk to you on this podcast or to have cool stories with your producer, John Pop. I don't get to do any of that stuff on my own steam because. I don't have the background in media or radio or broadcasting to place me here. So I'm obviously put here for some fun and to bring fun to other people. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Well, thank you, uh, Stacy. And as you mentioned, you're you're based in St. Louis. I recently had the opportunity to interview Pastor Wes Martin of Grace Church on this show. Uh, you recently spoke to his congregation. And I want to ask you, because you use the term biblical worldview um, in your book, and you've just talked about being a Christian. What do you mean by that? And those of us who are Christians or maybe have other beliefs, religious beliefs, um, how can we do our part in today's society, given all of the challenges that it seems we're up against? So Pastor Wes is actually my pastor, too. Um, I've been going to Grace. My husband and I and all of our kids have been going there for, I think, 12 years now. And so you know, when you talk to Pastor Wes and, and Pastor Ron is our senior pastor, um, you're hearing individuals who are, these men believe in the biblical worldview because they've lived it and because they know it is the only way for us to connect the majority of our lives, which we don't spend in church, right, Rob? We go to church on Sundays. Some people go on Wednesdays. Some some people go to Sunday nights as well. But for the most part, the majority of our lives are are spent outside of church. And so, if church is just someplace you go, like some people go to the hair salon once a week, then it's not going to have a huge impact on your life. But if you want to live joyfully and fearlessly, courageously, then you have to have a biblical worldview. And it also makes it possible for you to then throw off the shackles of, well, this person doesn't agree with you know my belief in pro-life. This person doesn't agree with me that the Bible says X, Y, and Z. Well, I don't need the agreement of other people if I know what the Bible says, and then I'm walking that out. And that's part of the reason why I wrote the book. We have to be courageous as Christians because politics is, it's grown outside of its normal strictures. Politics is like, let's, let's take something common that we all use, ladders. Ladders are responsible for 330,000 accidents every year. Most people don't know that. The only reason you would have an accident on the ladder is improper use. People don't understand how to use ladders. They get, they set them up. They're not stable. They fall. Well, if we treated ladders like politics, we would have the Department of Ladder Safety. We would spend millions of dollars 
working against lobbyists who are lobbying for ladder colors and ladder heights and ladder sizes. There'd be ladder unions. There would be people fighting for and against ladders. You would know the kind of um, like character of your next door neighbor by the color of ladder that they had when they pulled it out of their garage to change their light outside the garage. It would become so outsized and so obsessive that we'd have parties for and against ladders. Sound familiar? That's how politics has become because politics is a simple tool by which we manage government that has been allowed to grow into basically its own religion. And it divides families, it divides people, and that is not biblical. God actually has a hierarchy that he set in place and he gave us representative government. He gave it to the Israelites first back in Exodus 18. And now we have it because the founders tried other forms of government before they landed on representative government and realized that that is the only way that you can have a free and prosperous nation that everyone wants to live in around the world. And so that's why they gave us this great experiment with our constitution and our representative form of government, not a democracy, representative government. So the biblical worldview simply takes what's in scripture and it boils it down to a simple set of questions, which I include in the book. And then it helps you to detach emotions and feelings and political parties and everything else away from it. And as a Christian, you can say, well, you know, I just, I believe in that because that's what the scripture says. And then the responsibility for defending it really goes back to the source document, which is the Bible and to God, who is the author of the Bible. So I don't have to be insulted when people disagree with me about the pro-life issue. They're not disagreeing with me. They're disagreeing with Old and New Testament scripture that describes the origin of life as being God calling you forth before he made the foundations of this planet and him knowing your name and writing it on the, the palm of his hand and then calling you forth for a specific time and purpose and then knitting you together in your mother's womb and knowing every fiber of your being, counting the hairs on your head and then setting you forward for a purpose. Th these are not things that I'm going, I'm going to argue for or against. They simply are the truth. These are simply truths that you find in scripture. And for people who don't believe, you are the beneficiary. If you're an atheist or you practice some other faith, if you live in America, you're the beneficiary of a nation that is founded on these ideas. So you don't have to believe them yourself. You need only preserve them so that you can continue to enjoy freedom. So the book is, it's short and it's meant to explain those things. And I cover a bunch of issues that American Christians actually were pulled on these issues and they wanted their pastors to preach on them. And so I wrote about them because my pastors actually do preach on these issues, but most pastors do not. So you take this book, it's like plane ride to and from Miami. You can read the whole book or you can tackle it in a weekend. You then know what the scriptures say about these issues. And then you can kind of say to yourself, okay, where do I fall on that? And, and do I, do I care? It's, it prompts questions and it gives you an opportunity to really examine things without it being about Democrat or Republican, even though I actually take apart both party platforms in the book as well and compare them to scripture, you can then make up your own mind for yourself. Again, the book is called Eternally Cancel Proof, A Guide for Courageous Christians Navigating the Political Battlefront. Stacy, I want to pick up on something you mentioned there, because in the conversation I had with Pastor Wes Martin, we talked about the fact that he is unafraid and unregularly brings politics into his church and and confronts some of the challenging issues that that we see in the news. Um, you also talk about how we as a country have moved away from from pastors doing that. We've also moved away from the fact that you know we were founded on some of these Judeo-Christian values. 
why do you think that is? Uh, what what is the what is the source of of that, both in the in the church and and elsewhere? And how do we get back to making sure that we're grounded in those in a biblical worldview and those principles? Well, so you know, Rob. Anytime, so there's 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 the push and pull. There's there's good and there's evil, um, and we see that in demonstration every single day. Um, it's the things we're fighting against right now. Like if you notice a lot of what we're talking about in the media is it's, it's got a, like a really pernicious ring to it. Like if we take the, the Southern border, that it's wide open. It's not just the illegal entries. It's the fact that people are sex trafficked for 1100 miles from the Northern triangle countries all the way up to America. It's that we've now had over 1500 dead bodies found on our Southern border of people who've died of exhaustion and other things because they're making this trip because our border is open. And so if you are arguing for or against illegal immigration, you are also arguing for or against the sex trafficking and the increase in deaths of people who shouldn't be making the trip because we should only have lawful immigration. Or if you take the issue of uh, public schools and education right now and the rise of the pornographic material that has been put in public libraries and now on school shelves that is sexualizing children, taking away their innocence and making them more susceptible to being preyed upon by sexual predators. Over 500 of those cases in 2022 in the Chicago public school district. And I think we'll find more of these cases will be reported on over time across the country because children are being sexualized and predators are using that to prey upon them. Um, these are no longer the kinds of things that you can sit over a cup of coffee and, you know, kind of argue for and against. If you're arguing in support of open borders, you're arguing in support of sex trafficking and human trafficking, that's evil. It is evil to sexualize children and to remove their innocence from them. It's no longer an issue of left or right. It is now good and evil. And so I, I'm, I'm very concerned that, first of all, we use language that carefully articulates what we are for or are against and that we understand that and that in the long run we're finding ourselves as a people fighting for those who can't fight for themselves and so you know policy is always it's always a fight we can always sit across the table from each other and argue about how we should implement x or y but we should never be arguing about whether or not it's wrong to have immigration policy and a sovereign nation with borders. And so, you know, that, that, that brings it all into full perspective. And that is why Pastor Wes and Pastor Ron and, and the leadership at Grace Church have chosen to expose these issues to the people who sit in the pews there to make them wise enough to make proper decisions during the week when they're not in the pews. And that's, Part of the reason why I wrote the book, it's it's the reason why you see so many pastors across the country, like Pastor Rob McCoy, he's, he's been traveling, he's running himself into the ground, traveling across the, the nation, talking about these issues and exposing their connection to scripture. Because scripture covers every aspect of life. There is nothing that you're facing in your life, there's no problem that has not been seen before and actually discussed in scripture. And so um, it's so important that people stop putting that fake wall of separation between the tool of politics and the everyday life of being a Christian. So knowing your Bible, being obedient, um, living it out, which means sacrificial love for others in your country, 
it's, it's important. It's important enough for me to kind of give up my, I'm, I'm really talented at interior design. I could totally be doing that full time, but instead I'm doing this and I love doing it. It's great. I, it's, it's a, it's another calling. But what I'm saying is there are a lot of people out there in this movement who are great at other things and they choose to do this and they're choosing to do it because the need is great. People are unaware uninformed, disengaged, but also very upset with the way our country is, is headed. The way to change that is to become engaged, informed, and involved. And part of that, in my opinion, is being in a church where they connect the scriptures to what's happening in our everyday lives and reading books like the one I wrote, where you can actually see, I'm, I'm connecting it in your everyday life. These are not concepts or, you know, kind of lofty things that you discuss and think, whoo, that was interesting. No, this is practical. This is your everyday. And we have to get to that level if we want to stop a lot of the evil that we see going on every day here in America. We certainly do. And, and I think you've touched on something because as we've seen declining participation among younger Americans in church services and even just even believing in God in general, you know, clearly something needs to change. And so I appreciate your your call to action here and, and hope uh, other pastors and Americans follow that. I, I wanted to pick up on something as we wrap up here, Stacey, and, and you, you talked about, you know, some of the, the, the difficulties and challenges, and you confront so many of these on, on Stacey on the right. But here we have a situation in Washington, D.C., which you're well aware of, where Republicans have, have just seized control of the, the U.S. House. There is finally a check after a couple of years on the Biden administration and so many of the bad policies that it has been implementing. What are your expectations? Are you hopeful? Are you pessimistic? Where do you see things going for the next couple of years, particularly as conservatives kind of wrestle with the future of their movement? Well, you know, Rob, I think you know, we, and we hear this a lot. Oh, we're going to lose our country. Or, oh, we're at a crossroads. Well, I don't think we lose our country, but I do think we're at a crossroads where um, the huge percentage of evangelical Christians who are not currently voting or involved in politics, if they continue to abstain from our political future, the left will continue to dominate and grow. And so the Republicans controlling the House, if last week was any demonstration of this new paradigm, then I have a lot of hope because we saw 20 people stand up to what a lot of uh, commentators call the establishment. And I said on the radio last week, many a night, how sick I was of hearing leftists complain that the Republican Party is in disarray. But I also said that I hope they stayed the course and that they would see it through to the end, whatever their end goal was in holding up McCarthy's eventual um, you know, speakership that they would get out of it what they set out to, to, to do. And they did. So there were 20 people who were willing to step to the line, to get on the wall, to actually fight for what was right. And what we needed was we needed 40. We needed 60. We needed all of them except a very small sliver to do it. And so I think last week's demonstration by the 20 was pouring courage into some of the others who weren't yet ready to stand up and report to the line. And so my encouragement for everyone right now is thank the 20 who stood up. Anyone that does something that angers the left, you have to look at what they're doing and understand that the reason the, the left is angry with them is because they're putting roadblocks on the left's agenda. And that's what those 20 people did. 
And so because of them, we have powerful committee chairmanships and appointments going to people who are actually there for a purpose, not there to enrich themselves, not there to um, kind of make their bones or to be famous. They're there for a purpose. Those people did us a service last week. And so I think we're going to see a different House of Representatives over the next 24 months. And if so, it will set the stage for a return to a Republican president, which we need desperately. President Trump was so great when he was in office, but a lot of the changes he made weren't permanent because he didn't have the support of the Republican Party and they weren't done legislatively. And as we can see, as we have seen, um, any victory that you take with the pen via executive order can be dismantled by a subsequent president or the Supreme Court. Legislation is much more permanent, and we need Republicans to join in with our next Republican president and make permanent changes to our laws that cannot be undone. And then the other thing is, you know, we need to stop begging for people who will fight if we're not willing to support them when they do. Last week, 20 Republicans answered the call that we've been screaming since the Tea Party days. We want fighters. We want people who will fight. They fought. And a lot of Republicans were wilting in the face of the opposition to them fighting. When warriors step up to the line to fight on our behalf, we have to immediately report to the line behind them and hold them up. We have to stand behind them and we have to support them in their fight because that's what we ask them to do. We ask for strong, really, really important things to be changed in Washington, D.C., and that's never going to be easy. And so I hope that people will look at what happened last week and, and understand that we have a new day in the Republican House. And if we support these people, they're going to give us some of the things we've been screaming about for the past 10, 15 years. And that is so important because there's nothing worse than someone who asks you for something. And then when you give it to them, they immediately throw it back in your face and say, well, I don't want it like this. We'll take our wins however we can get them. And last week was definitely a win. Um, so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do and supporting them, interviewing these congressmen on the show and, you know, supporting them and encouraging them. And I'm also looking forward to seeing the Republican Party coalesce around our nominee, whoever it is, because remember, it's the right tool for the job. It's not personalities. It doesn't matter what kind of tweets they send. What matters is the policy they'll bring to the executive branch. And we got to support our nominee and get them into the White House so that we can set some of these evils to right. We need to correct policy that has been allowed to be forced on us. We need to correct it and set it back to its proper constitutional setting to protect the innocent, to punish evil and protect the innocent. That has to be our main focus going forward for the next two years until we can win the presidency back. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for leaving us with that, that charge. We um, certainly appreciate everything that you've done over the course of your entire career, but particularly um, to, to see that moment last week when we saw those courageous Republicans stepping forward. And, and in, in fact, it was discouraging to see others in conservative media even um, criticizing them and, and discouraging them from to continue their fight. So the, the, those of us who were <laughs> standing alongside them and, uh, and, and certainly after many, many years of, of defeats when it came to getting conservatives on the Rules Committee or Appropriations Committee or changing the way the House operates, uh, to see this breakthrough was uh, was definitely encouraging. And I think you're right. It sets the stage for 
uh, positive developments over the next two years, particularly as we have a debate over the future of the Republican Party and conservative movement. So I want to thank you, Stacy. Again, I want to give a plug to your show, Stacy on the Right, which is on Sirius XM's Patriot Channel 125. Uh, you are doing fantastic work. And for those who haven't read your book yet, again, it's called Eternally Cancel Proof, a guide for courageous Christians navigating the political battlefront. Stacey Washington, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Such a pleasure to be here. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't gotten a chance, be sure to check out our evening show right here in this podcast feed, where we bring you the top news of the day. Also, be sure to subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts. And help us reach more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and we'll be back with you all at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.